Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. Today, we have uh, with us a a guest that we probably should have had on our, our first episode just to, to help me out. We have an expert in communication and speaking. We have Catherine Etel Belt on the program. Did I say that correctly? Well, it's Catherine Etel Belt, but close enough. You can't imagine how it's been butchered in the past. So good job. Yeah, well, <laughs> thank you. I tried. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're very thankful to have you here. It's going to be um, a really uh, fun episode. Um, Communication, no one ever struggles with that. Yeah, um, right. I, say that I say that with a, a little bit of humor. Um, it's something that I struggle with. I'm always wondering how effective is my communication. Um, so you work with dentists, right? I've read some of uh, reviews. I've read some of the testimonials people have given you, and, and clearly dentists across the country um, like what you've done for them. Um, tell me, how did you start working specifically with, with dentists? I started in, in dentistry as a chairside dental assistant in college. And uh, just sort of, you know, my career took me um, to the front office and then eventually into management uh, and, and the leadership team. And so I've kind of seen it from the front and back. Uh, over time, uh, my husband was uh, transferred to California. And so um, I took a job with a consulting company and didn't really much care for the company, but fell in love with teaching and consulting. And uh, so for the last 30 plus years, I've been uh, coaching and for several decades was a full practice management consultant. But about 10 years ago, I decided to narrow my focus to communication skills coaching only. So uh, Lion Speak, my company, we rebranded at that time. Uh, the overarching umbrella is communication skills coaching, uh, but we do it in three different, we like to say sectors. So one sector is patient facing communication. So we do telephone skills training. We have a really robust mystery shopper call program there and case presentation, things like that. Uh, then we have, I think, which is the lane we're going to be in today, which is team facing communication. So a lot of team culture, team retreats, a lot of leadership and management level communications coaching. And then our third sector is, uh, we describe it as audience facing communication. So we have a train the speaker and a train the trainer program. So that's really, you know, been my journey uh, in a nutshell. Uh, I come from dentistry, though we do a lot of work outside of dentistry now uh, in other forms of healthcare um, and business, small teams and business. So, yeah, so you've got the experience, right? You've not only are you an expert in communication, you've got the practice experience, you understand a lot of problems and you've seen and, and witnessed a lot of problems. And I'm sure that's how you got to where you're at now or partly how you got to where you're at now. Tell me, what are some of the problems that you're hearing with, with Dennis talking about communicating with their, their team, um, if they have one? Um, or is it communication issues that maybe cause them to not have a team or the team that they want? So what, what are you hearing out there? What's going on? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a challenging time. And there's no doubt that there's some factors beyond dentist control that have contributed and are contributing to the lack of available personnel and the challenge that they're all facing across the country uh, in, get, in attracting and retaining good team members. But here's the one thing that hasn't changed. If you're known in your community as the place to work, uh, from a cultural perspective, you have a lot less um, of a challenge 
you may still have a challenge, but it's less than your uh, competitors or colleagues uh, who are not viewed as the place to work. So culture is still important. I think vitally important in attracting and maybe even more important in retaining good talent. So I believe in its efficacy and, uh, you know, really the investment uh, that you have to make in creating culture. And what's, what is culture? Culture is how it feels to work there, how it feels to be a part of that team. And uh, most of that happens through the way in which we communicate. So from the top down, uh, Dennis, I think, grow very weary, understandably, of having to solve a lot of issues and uh, many of them behavioral issues of underperformance, negativity, uh, passive aggressiveness, um, you know, all kinds of things that they have to navigate uh, that they they feel like often, you know, if I could just if I could just do what I was trained to do, if I could just do the dentistry uh, and not have to deal with the people that are associated with delivering those services, uh, my life would be a lot better. And really in their defense and in the defense of all of us, most of us did not learn how to manage challenging conversations. Let's call it conflict. Uh, we didn't we didn't learn that at home growing up. There are, certainly are some exceptions, but most of us did not have a set of parents that beautifully modeled this exquisite way to handle conflict. And most of us didn't learn it in school. We didn't take a class on it in school. Uh, my husband is a recently retired fifth grade school teacher. And he said, man, I wish I wish my kids could have would have had a mandatory class in this because they're probably not going to use algebra that much, but they're going to use this every day. And so, you know, we didn't get that. We didn't get that education. And so here we are, here we are as grown adults thrown together in a work environment without any training. um, And we're, we're for the one thing that we know we will deal with every day. And that is differences of opinion, differences of perspective, differences uh, around unmet expectations or unclear expectations. So there's just, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's sort of viewed, I think, Patrick, as kind of a soft skill. So why would I want to take time out of production and, you know, invest money into this level of training? I mean, it's kind of this thought of shouldn't, why do I have to do this? Shouldn't people come with this skill, you know? Um, so it's so interesting, Patrick, there's some recent statistics that show that it absolutely does have a direct effect on profitability in the bottom line. Uh, I just recently heard some statistics that 85% of the American workforce says they experience some level of conflict and 30% of them um, feel as though they're experiencing it constantly at work. And that it's, on average, every employee on average is spending about three hours a week either thinking about this conflict situation or actively embroiled in the conflict. So that adds up to two weeks a year per employee that if they're thinking about that, they're not thinking about growing the business. They're not thinking about serving clients or, or patients. And so imagine, yeah. you know, imagine if you could get that back. Imagine if you could get two weeks a year per employee back. And it's worse for managers. Managers are spending about 40 to 50 percent of their time managing conflicts that other people should be able to do for themselves. So, yeah. It's important. yeah and I, I totally I don't have, have zero evidence to back up what I'm going to say. Um, I believe it's true. Um, so I know it's true for me. But I think that that 
those hours that you're talking about that people are thinking about conflict, um, thinking about employee issues. I think a lot of times, I think people spend a lot of time going, how am I going to talk to so-and-so about right. this? Am I going to talk to so-and-so right. about this? Do I, do I want to live through the fallout of it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it becomes a conversation with a spouse or maybe another person in the practice. And um, it keeps people looking at the ceiling fan. I actually believe it's, I think for a lot of small business owners, it's the biggest cause of stress in their life. Yep. Um, right. So when we talk about dollars and cents, I mean, you know, and, and how, how negatively stress um, is known to affect health of people. I mean, this is a huge deal. Um, you know, and you, you mentioned your, your husband being a school teacher. I think some of this comes from um, this, uh, the inability to have direct conversations about real things with people. Some of it is that partic- participation ribbon, right? There was no criticism when you got your participation ribbon. Now, I didn't get one. Um, people about four years or five years after me, that's when they started. We got first, second, third, and then you're all losers after that. <laughs> you did learn that, hey, I'm not the mm-hmm. fastest kid in the, the class, right? Yeah. Um, I think there's some real things that, you know, when I was little, we said sticks and stones, you know, may break our bones, but words will never hurt us. And a lot of people think criticisms makes you stronger, right? Builds character. I, I actually believe that myself. Um, it all has to play a big part in this, right? I mean, just the way that we, our society is not right. No? It does. No, it no. definitely does. Um, there are gener- there are there are some generational differences, no doubt about it. And um, the one thing we have in common is we don't have we we have an avoidance of conflict. Yes, we tend to have an avoidance of conflict, and for different reasons. And for but it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, we're avoiding it, and it's interesting because the the act of avoiding in and of itself adds to the conflict, at least within ourselves personally, right? So we think we're avoiding the stress of it, but in fact, we're actually adding to it by the avoidance because all it does is grow. Of course, it doesn't go away. And so, um, and we make up these big stories about it. I mean, how many times have you actually finally had a conversation around something and thought, God, I wish now looking back, I would have had it a lot sooner because it it went much better than I thought. And, you know, it was so it was more necessary than I thought. And so and so I think there's a lot of efficacy to us um, considering from a leadership perspective, requiring that our people become skilled and trained and adhere to the relatively simple frameworks or um, steps that they could take to maneuver these conversations better. And I personally think it could change the world. I think, I think we've never lived in a time where the lack of ability to deal with conflict constructively um, is everywhere we look. I mean, just turn on the news, pick up a, pick up a magazine. I mean, it's just anywhere, go out onto your sidewalk in your neighborhood and you'll see that we have, an inability as a society to navigate differences of opinions and perspectives successfully, respectfully. Um, and we, and it's not as difficult as people think they just aren't simply are not trained. And so yeah, I'm, I'm passionate yeah. about it because I just, I think it's a one, one of the most important professional skills anybody could have in their career. Yeah, I would agree with you uh, 100%. I, and I see the, obviously we can, 
say that we would say think from a political spectrum, right? I mean, that's almost what we're talking about mm-hmm. in a way where you have these two different people that won't engage with one another. Um, I think the people who are kind of more less passionate about one of those two sides, um, I think it's actually hurting them though, because they're seeing this and going, hey, maybe you shouldn't, if you disagree with somebody about something, maybe you just shouldn't, maybe it's just better yeah. to not. So I'm actually thinking we're making as a society, we're going backwards, not forwards here. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of going forwards, um, tell me, give me a couple of steps that someone someone can take today, um, you know, when they're done listening to this to you know, become a better communicator um, and be able to talk about those difficult subjects um, with people close to them. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a um, it's a very broad and deep subject. Uh, so uh, I'll just give a couple of sort of thirty thousand foot perspectives that I think might be helpful. One is when we coach uh, these what we call a courageous conversation. That's what we coach, and um, when we do, we break it down into basically three parts: mindset, skill set, and a tool set. So it's important when you're thinking about conflict and having sitting down and having a conversation that you remember this is an inside out game that almost always the feeling is it's about them if they would stop doing something if they would start doing something if they would uh, eliminate something if they would get their act together that our lives would be better if they if they 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 so i just you've heard this before but we give some um systemization, very simple, like a three-step process to doing a a quick little self-scan before you engage in the actual opening of your mouth and the actual conversation to do a quick self-scan of where you are in relation to the issue, in relation to this person, maybe in relation to this generation or whatever is at play here. Um, Because uh, and, and I'll just give you a, a quick high flyover of what that is. One is to ask yourself the question, what is what is my piece of this? What is my responsibility in this breakdown, in this dysfunction? Because almost always, I can rarely think of an, of an occasion where we, you know, I, I've often said there are four reasons why people don't do what we want them to do. A, they're either not clear. We might have thought we were clear, but if they can't repeat it back to us in a way we like, we weren't clear. So we've either not been clear about the expectation or B, we've been clear, but we've not given them the resources or the training or the support or whatever they need to be able. So you could be clear that you expect your people to take care of their own conflict with coworkers. You could be clear about that, that, that sort of um, leadership level, cultural level uh, standard or expectation, but you could maybe not have given your team the tools to do so. So that would be a good example of number two, people not knowing how to. So have we made it clear? Have we given them the right training and and resources? And thirdly, if we're clear and we've trained them, then do they have the capacity? Do they have the physical capacity to meet the standard? Do they have the intellectual IQ to do this job? Sometimes we put people in positions and the expectation is to come, you know, manage or evaluate some metrics and they do not have the IQ to do it. So are they, you know, is the right butt in the right seat? And fourth, if they're clear, they're trained and they're capable, then it is, are they willing? Right. But you can see where those are very different reasons. 
that someone is not meeting an expectation. And we often go to the, are they willing first before we ever ask ourselves, have we been clear? Have we trained? Have we? And so, um, so we really help leadership and management to understand there's sort of a, a way that I can walk through to assess what's my responsibility. Then the second thing we ask you to do is to learn to recognize your current beliefs around this issue and to learn to poke some holes in it, which you do through a series of really interesting questions. Um, so it's in, it's in, it, you know, that all swims around the idea of limiting beliefs, limiting beliefs about what this person is capable of or, or willing to do uh, or a, around the issue. We often are married to a final solution. We, we know how we want it to be resolved and we're basically really uh, driving toward this predestined solution. And one of the things we invite people to consider is not worrying so much about the, the end game, the solution, but to just open the conversation and be willing to explore multiple solutions to getting what we need, what we both need. Um, so that's a that's a different mindset. Uh, but the third piece in mindset is to speak from a strong emotional platform. So for example, if you're afraid that if you address this, uh, let's say it's a hygienist or an assistant or something, maybe they're late to work or or somehow there's a performance, you know, a, a, a low performance issue. And you're afraid that if you speak to them, they may quit and you'll be without and not able to rehire into that position. If you're speaking from an emotional platform of fear, that conversation will be very different. I don't care what kind of framework you put on it. Sure. And if yep. you first recognized you were speaking from fear, got yourself over into a platform of strength and confidence and courage, um, and navigated it from there, that conversation will be different. So I always say I could give you the framework, this little four-step framework that we have for having the conversation. But if you use that framework on a weak emotional platform, it's not going to work. Sure. So, so and that's a tip that like, this is a game of self-awareness first. Right. Because we can never control where they are or how they respond, but we can always do, you know, from here. So it's an inside out job. It's a leadership skill for sure. Yeah. And, and, and fear when you, when you talk about that mm-hmm. specifically, people sense fear from yeah. a mile over. Mile from, away. I think it's actually a saying, right? You can sense it from a mile away. So yeah, um, yeah that's great advice. So if somebody wants to learn more about you and your services, how do they check you out? Um, well, lionspeak.net is our website. Don't go to .com, but .net. Uh, lion speak. And um, one of the best ways, well, you know, of course, we're happy to have a conversation with anyone just to explore, um, you know, where they are and and how we might be able to help. But we have a workshop, we have a virtual workshop, actually, we have one in January, um, the 18th to the 20th. And we take three hours each morning. And um, walk through the process of courageous conversations in your practice and in your life. And so I'd encourage your listeners to maybe consider um, that workshop, that virtual workshop, because they'll get a deep dive. They'll get some practice time. They'll get they'll I'm going to I always demonstrate uh, with some volunteers from the audience. I demonstrate stepping into their voice, you know, into their issue so they can see how to navigate it in the moment. And so it's a great, great workshop. Um, I think that would be um, a great way to start. And um, you can just, you know, I have a. I have a gift I'd love to give your listeners. It's a, a sheet that we developed for that workshop, and it's called the Courageous Conversations Support Sheet. 
And on the left, it's beautifully graphically designed. On the left, it has this sort of internal checklist. And on the right, it has our actual conversation framework. And it's a great little sheet to put up in a team room or to, or to reference before you sit down to have a conversation. Uh, it's a great, uh, great free resource. Um, so they could get that by emailing us at info at lionspeak.net and just ask for the Courageous Conversations support sheet. And we're happy to send that out because uh, we really want this information to get out into the world. But another gift is that um, normally that workshop is $7.99 per person and $6.99 for an early bird rate. But uh, for your listeners, if they put in the code when they register dental brief, uh, they can register for $5.99. Awesome. Thank so, you yeah, so much. That's like $200 that. off. Yeah. So yeah, we'd well, love we'll to have them. Yeah. We'll add that information to you on the great. too. So great. pleasure having you here. I mean, what an awesome show and a great amount of information on such a period quick period yeah. of time. I really yeah. appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Come back soon. I will. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.